Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. And by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is December 27th after a great weekend of the holidays with Christmas going on and everything else. Mike, how was your Christmas this weekend? You know what, Justin, in a, in a what has been... Uh, you know, very difficult year for, for so many and a challenging year and limitations and all those things. Um, you know, we felt uh, extremely blessed. We were able to celebrate John's birthday, uh, which was mm-hmm. Christmas um, with uh, um, Amy's uh, immediate family, her parents and her, um, her sister's family. And, and John had lobster tail and filet oh. and broccoli and twice baked um potatoes and you know we just for two days we were able to celebrate and put um put all of the you know everything else going on in the world behind us uh for a little bit and so you know man it was it was great it, it, it really was um you know it, it it just was the the type of you know two days that, that bring hope and joy and promise of um, something better to come in in 2021 for for the world, for the country, for mm-hmm. uh, for sports, um, for for everything. So yeah, no complaints here, man. How about you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I um, you know I I thought about it too, and and unfortunately, there are probably a lot of people out there that had a an empty seat at the dining table mm-hmm. for for Christmas dinner this year, and it's. You know, very sad to think about it. And I hope those people are who are struggling with that can have some peace and, and through it all. And, and hopefully things will get better. But uh, um, I was feeling the same way. Very blessed to be able to uh, see my parents and Jacqueline's parents and, and able to do a couple small gatherings and, and see some family here and enjoy each other's company. So, um, yeah. And then we also on Christmas Day did get to watch Michigan basketball. I uh, I know you said you might have be might be watching it later or kind of half watching half uh, celebrating. I did the same. I I uh, watched from uh, from the dining room while it was on in the living room and uh, from afar. But Michigan looked a little sloppy in the beginning, and then uh, they turned it on, especially on the defensive mm-hmm. side in the second half. So yeah, what did you think about uh, Michigan beating Nebraska on Christmas Day? 
Well, you, you're right. I, I didn't watch it live. Uh, the game began at uh, 6 p.m. Um, we were still eating dinner, and then we were zooming with my my family mm-hmm. uh, when John was uh, when, when John was eating his smash cake, and um, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of a little bit like Michigan basketball. He started slow. He wasn't really sure what to do with it. Uh, and by the time he got a few minutes in and got comfortable, he started beating the crap out of that thing. So, uh, you know, I ended up watching um, YouTube TV does this thing where you can like essentially watch like highlights extended. So I watched it the next oh, cool. day um, and and, you know, certainly saw some of the some of the positives. Uh, Isaiah Livers coming alive in the second half. Uh, big shot Mike Smith uh, when Nebraska mm-hmm. closed it to, I believe, six points in the second half. Uh, Hunter Dickinson. You know, they, they double team, they try to take him out of the game. I think he still finished with, uh, you know, double digits in both points and rebounds, maybe 13 and 15 or 15 and 13. Um, mm-hmm. And Franz Wagner had his, his best game. So, you know, Justin, honestly, like, I think anybody that was expecting Michigan to come out um, on fire, uh, you know, d- doesn't understand the fact that they hadn't played since December 13th. They've been off for right. 12 days. Um, you know, everybody else had been playing more games than them. Uh, that is a huge layoff. They're on the road on Christmas Day. Um, you know, in this league where Northwestern is 3-0, and uh, and I believe Michigan State uh, is 1-2 and two and has, you know, definitely has two losses. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you said it, I think maybe last week when you were talking about Northwestern with a big win over Michigan State, and you said, gosh, like, this is just going to be the hardest schedule to get through. And whatever games Michigan plays, um, if they come away with a W, especially – you know, on the road in an uncomfortable just situation, not necessarily environment uh, in terms of uh, the, the, the arena. Um, mm-hmm. But I take that as a huge victory for, for Michigan to get this W. For sure. And like you said, I believe Nebraska had actually played three times since the last time that Michigan had played. So they were definitely, you know, in the rhythm of, of playing real games and not practicing. So definitely, like you said, it's uh, it was a big, uh, big win for Michigan. I know, you know, it's, it is Nebraska. They're, they're probably on the bottom tier if we're speaking in terms of the big 10, but um, it's still, again, any road big 10 win is a big win. Um, and so, especially in this schedule, um, you know, you mentioned Michigan state who was actually Owen two. And Northwestern is three and zero, yeah. And so I actually was watching. I believe it was the Michigan Oakland game earlier this season, and they showed a graphic of the preseason power rankings for the Big Ten, and they didn't even have Northwestern mm. on the graphic. Um, they they listed twelve teams, and Northwestern didn't even make the cut somehow. And so with them being three and zero at this point uh, atop the Big Ten, and Michigan State, who is a uh, probably the favorite to win the league, you know, up there with Wisconsin, they, um, you know, and they're now at the, at the bottom. So it's going to be an interesting year. The last year, it was a three-way tie for first place at 14 and six was the mm-hmm. final record in the big 10 uh, for the winner. And I honestly think it could be six wins or, or sorry, six losses or more for uh, the champion of the big 10 this year. It's just going to be a battle. I, I believe they have, uh, nine or 10 teams still in the Ken Palm top 25 at this point. So um, it's a, it's going to be a, a crazy season, I'm sure. And Michigan is looking good. I, I think that Michigan, we've talked about their versatility and their depth uh, and it's really paying off because when Hunter Dickinson may have a, a not so great night, 
then it mm -hmm. seems like Isaiah Livers steps up. And now, you know, Franz Wagner is adding himself into the mix on the offensive side of the ball. And Juwan Howard actually praised his, uh, him on both sides. He said uh, he's one of the best two-way players out there, being able to defend the, the opponent's top player as well as score on the offensive side too. So I think going forward, Michigan has, you know, they were, they were I think, uh, supposed to be middle of the pack in the Big Ten. I think you can look at them as one of the top three or four teams now uh, going into just uh, the first few games. Um, but we'll see what the rest of the season has in store as they, I believe, take on Maryland on New Year's Eve. Yeah, they don't play for a while, right? Um, yep. they, they, they play, I believe it's a 7 p.m. game against Maryland on the road. Um, you know, Ken Palm predicts them to win their next four games, Maryland, Northwestern, uh, which is the surprise team, Minnesota, and uh, Penn State. And you know the interesting thing, so I was, I was reading the, uh, the paper this morning. Yes, I'm old school. I get a Sunday paper. I like it that way. I can ride it on the exercise bike. Uh, leave me alone. Get off my lawn. Um, all those things. You know, and I was, I was reading about it. I'm talking about Franz and, and Juwan Howard said, kind of said something about how, you know, there's so much versatility on this team. And, and I'll give Isaiah Livers. I think Isaiah Livers and Hunter Dickinson have been pretty consistent uh, during Michigan's uh, 7-0 start. I mean, if you look at Livers' numbers, um, through the first seven games, he scored in double figures in six of those seven games. Um, you know, he, he has shot the ball well from, from three, uh, overall, he's shooting uh, 42% from three. I mean, he's been consistent And Hunter Dickinson. If you look at his games in the first seven, uh, I mean, he scored in double, double figures, average single contest. Um, he has had uh, double digit rebounds in one, two, I believe three of these games, but he's been a force, uh, overall, um, in these games. But other than that, I think what, you know, the early part is showing us is Franz, Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, Shonday Brown. Uh, these guys are going to kind of be like up and down, um, you know, and as long as one or two more of them are up in any given any given game, Michigan's going to have a chance to win because of uh, because that's what makes it makes them such a difficult team this year. Right. Is that if you're coming into the contest, I mean, look at Nebraska, they came in the contest said we're going to take Hunter Dickinson away. Um, they tried to, he still finished with 12 and or 13 points and 15 rebounds. Um, and then other guys like Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner beat them. Uh, Mike Smith had a you know good game with 10 points. Sean Day Brown uh, was able to score coming off the bench. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot to like about this, this Michigan basketball team so far, and, and it, it'll be fun. I will be able to watch the new year's Eve game uh, against Maryland. And then, you know, going to have them on the, going to, going to have it on the calendar for the rest of the way here. Uh, as we said, certainly it looks like the Big Ten is going to be very difficult. Let me ask you this question because, Justin, Austin Davis is out for a while with his injury. Um, and we kind of saw this is really like the first game that we saw a reduced bench. No Zeb Jackson whatsoever. Uh, the bench was Shonday Brown getting 16 minutes. Terrence Williams, the energy guy, the, the true freshman uh, who had two steals. Um, you know, he didn't, didn't shoot the ball very well, didn't make a basket. Uh, he came off the bench for nine minutes and Brandon John surprisingly only got six minutes. Do you think that this is the rotation uh, that he's just going to use an eight man um, rotation, a three man bench. Uh, and were you'd all surprised to see Brandon Johns, who is a veteran um, who's been in these battles, who's been in these situations before only get six minutes in this game against Nebraska. I was surprised. I thought that, you know, now that Austin Davis is out indefinitely, um, we were going to see more of Brandon Johns. And we did in the past couple games. So I figured that this was going to be, you know, Hunter Dickinson's definitely the, the man at, at the center position, but they would go 
uh, with Brandon Johns in there and he's getting, you know, 16, 15, 16 minutes a game, but only with six this time. You know, what I think about that is it's going to be a game by game situation for Juwan Howard and how he runs his lineup. It's going to be what's the uh, what's the scenario? What team are they playing? How many big guys do they have? Can they play small ball in certain situations or are they just going to feed it to Hunter Dickinson? Um, I think that it's not you, you. I'm looking at this one game and I don't think we'll see Brandon Johns in uh, single digits as far as minutes, probably too often. Um, I think it was just a uh, the opponent uh, situation uh, and seeing the, you know, the matchups that they were trying to get. So that's what it seemed like to me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Juwan Howard and, and his coaching staff is seeing the versatility, uh, versatility that we've seen uh, and we've talked about. And they're saying, OK, we can do whatever we want, you know, pretty much going up against any opponent. We can say if they want to play small ball, we'll play small ball. If we want to um, go two bigs and have uh, Brandon Johns even in at the four while uh, Hunter Dickinson is at the five, we can do that. So I think it's really just they are doing some scouting on their opponents and looking at how they can outmatch the uh, the opponent and, and uh, make it, a, a, you know, get some matchups, uh, some matchup differences there where, Michigan can out outplay them so I don't think that it's gonna you know this is going to be the eight-man rotation or seven-man rotation pretty much with Brandon Johns only getting six minutes um, I can see Terrence Williams maybe taking a little bit of a back seat uh, because after the first uh, game or two that he came in he played really well and he really hasn't done a whole lot since then and so um, I think if you it, it'll depend too if Franz Wagner continues to score in double digits then he's going to stay in the game. But if he keeps struggling on offense, then that's when I, I think Joan Howard tends to go to his bench and say, all right, we need a, we need Shawnee Brown or we need Terrence Williams or Brandon Johns to come in for a little uh, boost or something off the bench. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it uh, develops. I think you, I, I think your analysis um, was, was in the words of Michael Spath from the old days, spot on. Uh, <laughs> and and that is what, again, is what makes this team potentially really good is, is just the fact that uh, you're not going to be able to take away one guy because so many different guys can, can score the basketball and so many guys can do different things. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be curious as, you know, obviously Nebraska had a lot of time um, to prepare for this game. They did play two games since, you're right, since uh, Michigan last played, but uh, they've had a lot of film on Michigan. Now a lot of other teams have film on Michigan. And, and what will they try? How will they try to... Uh, to stop this team. They're the only undefeated team remaining in the Big Ten. Um, that doesn't mean a whole lot through seven games, but hey, it's something nice to hang your hat on uh, for a little bit uh, as uh, as we get ready to close out 2020. It hasn't been a great year um, for Michigan sports fans in 2020. Mm -hmm. So if you can you can take anything that you can get um, and be I did, did want to comment on that too. I saw Zach Shaw put this out there yesterday that um, I believe in 50 some years, this is the first year that Michigan football, Michigan State football, the Lions, the Tigers, the Red Wings, and the Pistons all had losing seasons. Wow. Uh, so saying that this, the state of Michigan sports is, uh, is not great is quite the understatement, I think, at wow. this point. Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's depressing. <laughs> that's, you know, I don't even want to get into the Pistons. They've already lost two games that uh, mm -hmm. they were leading late and 
the wings don't start until mid January and blah blah blah. Yeah, I, and I, the Lions got out out I didn't, yesterday didn't by watch. four four hundred yards, Mike. That it was five hundred eighty eight yards for Tom Brady and the Bucks, and the Lions only scrounged up one hundred eighty six yards. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was about as bad as it gets. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're recording this podcast on Sunday, the two days after Christmas, and. I honestly, I, I didn't watch the game. I didn't turn it on at all. My, uh, my father-in-law texted me uh, later in the day and said, thank God I DVR that. I watched that entire Lions game in about 15 minutes. That's all I needed to see. <laughs> and he said, you know, so, something else like they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I'm like, Bob, didn't even watch. Don't even care. Don't even care. Like all, all nope. I want to know right now is here we are on Sunday. We're recording this about an hour before the NFL gets started. Uh, and there's a couple of teams that are at five wins, same as the Lions, that are competing against each other. So at the very least, I think the Lions can move from like 11th to maybe eighth. Um, mm-hmm. There's a potential to move up to like seventh. Uh, you know, they got to lose next week to, you know, hopefully get into the top six because, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to go. You know, Justin Fields is going to go. Um, then you better hope that you can get to Zach Wilson. Time to hit the reset button. I don't want to talk any more Lions because it's not what we really do on Stadium in Maine. Although yeah. in theory, we never uh, identified that we're only a Michigan sports podcast. Um, so I think anything is fair game here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, but I was so ticked last year. Um, my father-in-law and I were like two days before the draft. We went for this long walk. It was during COVID and we had like, he, he walked on the other side of the street as I did. And all we talked about was like, Hey, draft Tua or draft Justin mm-hmm. Herbert. Like two of these guys, young quarterbacks, like time to hit the reset button, time to start over again. Thanks to Matthew Stafford for his decade in Detroit, but he needs it as much as the Lions need it just to, right. kind of, you know, the whole thing. They didn't do it. Now you look and Justin Herbert's going to be probably the rookie of the year. And Tua Tagliavola is um, leading uh, Miami to, uh, you know, a likely playoff spot. Uh, it looks great. And where are the Lions in the same place that the Lions always are. So um, <laughs> it's just, it's been uh, extremely, extremely frustrating. But I do want to talk some Michigan football, lots of rumors, uh, some reports of, of guys not coming back to school. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute, but Justin, you know, yesterday I re not tweeted, I guess I reposted on Instagram, a picture of our friends at Wolverine state brewing company, uh, their new menu for essentially for 2021. And immediately a good friend of mine, Jamie Mittenen, uh, who used to be a sponsor of, um, of inside the huddle, a sports law blonde, a sports attorney was like, man, that sounds like a great idea for New Year's Eve. And I got to admit, looking at the looking at the menu, I'm like, this is this is a New Year's Eve menu ready to go here. Um, you know, they always had their famous nachos, which we just rave about. But here's some new items. Uh, they have a goat cheese and caramelized onion flatbread uh, with fresh basil, balsamic wow. glazed drizzle. He kept his pitmaster barbecue plate, which allows you to pick two meats and two sides um, which, you know, pulled pork, chicken, smoked ribs, and brisket, kept his brewmaster, kept his brew house, smoked mac and cheese, which uh, I love. You get that with, uh, I think it's four different kinds of cheddar. Um, and then I always get the pulled pork on it. But here are some new things, some craft, sa- craft sandwiches, a pastrami pretzel. You talked about how good that um, ham and cheese uh, on the pretzel bun was a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, so now you can get a pastrami, uh, house smoked pastrami with Swiss cheese and spicy mustard on a pretzel bun. Um, how about a, a salsa verde tostada, uh, two corn tostadas topped with uh, black beans, pico de gallo, red onion, cheddar and munster, sliced avocado, whipped sour cream, queso fresco, shredded lettuce and salsa verde. 
Uh, so that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Now, I'm a gigantic meatloaf fan. I don't know if you're a meatloaf fan, um, but I mean, if I see meatloaf on a menu, I'm always ordering it because I have such good memories of my mom making, you know, unlike Will Ferrell and old school, like I love my mom's meatloaf. Um, <laughs> and so I get meatloaf every time I see it. This one sounds delicious. House made smoked barbecue meatloaf, smoked cheddar cheese and caramelized onion on a grilled pumpernick bread served with kettle chips. Wow. That is like, I mean, not even the meatloaf, but all the toppings, you could put that on just about everything, anything, and, and it would be good. So other options too, barbecue cob chicken club, a brisket bond me, uh, me sandwich. I don't know if I said that properly. Cubano, uh, much, much more. You can check out the entire menu at wolverinebeer.com. If I was doing this for New Year's Eve, what I would probably start with is I would probably get the goat cheese and caramelized onion flatbread uh, as an appetizer, um, and then order a couple of these uh, sandwiches, maybe uh, two of the pastrami pretzel um, and two of the smoked meatloaf and just cut them up. We've got uh, Amy's parents coming over and just divide them up and let everybody try it and pick up a couple of great beers with it. Um, Sounds like a terrific menu uh, for Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve. Uh, So Justin, you have to, I live vicariously through you since since I don't come into Ann Arbor except on work days. And right now it's I'm off for the week. So um, I'm living vicariously through you. So I expect to see you at least sometime this week, picking up this food until I can get it next week. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure to, to head over and see Nate at Wolverine and uh, grab some stuff for, for new year's Eve or for really any dinner at this point and, uh, and make a meal out of it. All right, Justin, let's talk some, let's talk some Michigan football um, and no news on Jim Harbaugh and uh, whether or not he'll be retained as the head coach. I don't know about you, but like, you know, I see people on Twitter that are just like, why is there no announcement? How is this, you know, now we're past Christmas. I mean, at this point, like I'm not getting too worked up about it. I've said repeatedly, I want the guy gone. I don't think that he's going to be able to hit this huge reset button um, reestablish our, our build a brand new culture of winning and success and all these different things. But I'm not going to sit there and every single day fret about why a decision has not been made. Yes. Are there potential consequences like players leaving or not being able to enter the, the transfer portal and get players? Uh, is there problems with uh, getting a, a new defensive coordinator? All those things. Yes, there's concerns, but you know, Michigan hasn't even officially announced that Don Brown is gone. Um, you know, and that's just kind of the Michigan way. Uh, they won't really announce that he'll go on what they'll announce is they've hired somebody as a defensive coordinator and said that, you know, Don Brown left on his own, which is a famous Jim Harbaugh thing to do. You know, no, he's never fired a coach. Everybody just leaves on their own, which, um, you know, is also not like a great PR move. Like just like right. hey, these guys, uh, all wanted to get the hell out of here as fast as they possibly could. <laughs> Um, you know, Pep Hamilton left for an XFL job, right? And, uh, right. you know, and all these guys just leave on their own. Um, and so they're probably waiting for Don Brown to, to, uh, to get something else before Michigan announces that he's moved on. Um, mm-hmm. But the big rumor that was out there yesterday and multiple insiders, including uh, Sam Webb uh, of, uh, of the Michigan Insider and Chris Ballas of Wolverine.com have debunked it. But that was Will Muschamp. Uh, former South Carolina coach, uh, former uh, Texas coach, right? Uh, to mm-hmm. become the uh, become the uh, defensive coordinator for Michigan, and it's interesting because I had a buddy text me this yesterday, 
and said, hey, Will Muschamp, defensive coordinator in Michigan, this is awesome news. The guy was a very successful coordinator before his uh, floundering as a, as a head football coach. Um, so it got some people excited. I'm sorry, he was the head coach of Florida and then South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Texas sounded yeah. right. Texas is where he was the defensive coordinator for uh, Mac Brown. Uh, also the defensive coordinator at Auburn, defensive coordinator at LSU for Les Miles when they won a national championship. Um, but it doesn't appear that this is going to happen. And so I guess just, A, what did you think of the rumor? Did it get excited for you? And how quickly did your uh, did that little proverbial balloon that you just like let whimper and get all uh, small and uh, whittled down uh, happen for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I wasn't buying into a bunch of it because it, it came from, the rumor came from some like random non-verified uh, SEC Twitter account or something like that. Um, but I still think, you know, it, it would be a great hire. And like you said, uh, it was um, it was debunked by Sam Webb, but I still think it is a realistic option for Michigan. It may not be happening at the at this very moment, um, but I think it still could uh, happen in, in the uh, in the near future. And so what Sam Webb did come out and say, he said um, the thing that's really holding them back or, or uh, the, the reason why he knows this is not happening right now is that Michigan is uh, waiting until after the new year to even start their D coordinator search. Um, so Harbaugh is apparently out on the West coast for the holidays uh, with family and isn't coming back until after the new year. And so they're going to wait till then, um, which I'll, I'll ask your thoughts on that too, about just the waiting part here is, is it, you know, should they be going out during bowl season or during, you know, right after the, the season has ended for a lot of teams, should they be actively searching right now? Is it going to be too late by the time that, that the new year rolls around for a def- to be looking? Are they not, may, it may not be too late to grab somebody, but is it too late? Are, are other people getting there first and, and it may hinder their search a little bit? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, right? I mean, someone like Will Muschamp, um, Derek Mason, the former coach at Vanderbilt that got fired, uh, who's in high demand. Um, I would think that the best defensive coordinators are going to want to find jobs by early January. Uh, you know, how much will take place this week between Christmas and New Year's? I'm not really sure that it's, it's that much of an active coaching market. Um, at the moment, but what I do think is you're going to have the January 1st, you're going to have the semifinals, you're going to have the bowl games, and then there's going to be a, 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 you know, a lot of coaches getting fired in the next couple of weeks and, and all this and that mm-hmm. there's going to be, that's what's going to really hit. So I would say like, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, we didn't have the, the huge coaching turnover in December that we usually do. I think it's because uh, the, the, the season went longer. It went into, um, late December for most uh, programs. And then it was like, kind of like right before Christmas, are you going to fire your coach? Mm-hmm. Plus with, with COVID going on, you know, how much of a cold hearted bastard are you? If you, uh, you fire your coach during a, a COVID season and less like, you know, the guy had been a complete bum for the previous years and he went, you know, as, as Derek Mason did for Vanderbilt and Owen eight, you know, the writing was really on the wall. So I, I think it's going to play out a little bit later. Uh, and so, you know, maybe Michigan's in a, in a good spot, but the longer that they hold out, the longer that they take their time with this, the less likely that they're going to get, you know, the, the biggest name out there. And honestly, I don't think they're going to get the biggest name out there because of the fact that they have such an unstable head coaching situation. And, 
you know, maybe if you're Will Muschamp, maybe if you're Derek Mason and you hold out hope that you're going to become a head coach somewhere else, you say, hey, I'll take a one-year flyer. I'll go be uh, Michigan's defensive coordinator. I'll go reestablish my chops as like one of the best um, defensive coordinator minds in college football. And then in 2021, I'll go get my head coaching job. So it's possible. Um, but I think the longer that you have this instability, the harder it makes it for Harbaugh, if he is the guy and it looks like he's going to be, or Ward Manuel to, um, to really convince someone like that this is a place that's got uh, the, the resources, the support, the, 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 the consistency in place um, where they're going to want to want to go. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of watching it all play out. I, I, I'm, I, I understand the frustration from Michigan fans. I understand you know, people that want to follow it in real time. I guess I'm not one of them because following it in real time is uh, nauseating, exhausting, um, frustrating, um, all those different things. And I just don't have the energy for it. Uh, and so we'll, com- we'll, we'll talk about what we hear um, on this podcast, but, but I, I, I don't know, Justin, are you following it like daily, like every rumor, like when you, know, the fact that my buddy texted me this last night and while I wake up this morning, like if I was living it last night, or living it on Twitter yesterday, I would have gone through the gamut of emotions. Instead, he texted me last night. I kind of was like, I'll look at it in the morning. I look at it in the morning and it's already been debunked. Yeah. I, I, the reason I am, I'm definitely not watching this happen, you know, minute by minute or day by day even. And the main reason is because that you and I know this better than anybody. All of our sources that we talk to, especially on the Harbaugh situation, it seems like Nobody knows anything. One source will say one thing. The next source will say the opposite. So um, it's just rumors at this point. So that's why I haven't put a whole lot of stock into anything right now until Michigan announces something or Sam Webb puts it out there and he's got a great source on it or gets it from, uh, you know, straight from Harbaugh or wherever he gets it. Um, You know, then then I'll be interested and I can get excited. But until then, um, I'm not believing really any of the rumors out there. And so I, I totally agree with you. It is exhausting when, uh, when, well, and Michigan has made it exhausting because of the waiting and the, the, you know, zero transparency and all that stuff. It's made those rumors fly and it's made it difficult for Michigan fans to, to keep an eye on. But, um, you know, in terms of the candidates, I do think Muschamp would be a fantastic candidate. I have, uh, some friends that work at South Carolina and worked under him in their strength program for the football team. They said, he's a fantastic guy. Um, they said he was a great coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball, had great relationships with his players and was very motivating. So um, I think that he would be a fantastic hire for, for uh, Michigan. I think he's also, he's not a Michigan man, but he fits that mold a little bit. You know, he's, uh, he's not like crazy or he's not too out there or anything like that. He's uh, pretty straight laced. Um, so I think he would fit that mold. I also think Derek Mason is probably even more of a Michigan man than Muschamp. He is, mm-hmm. you know, very stern and very by the books and things like that. And so Derek Mason would probably be my number one candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, Muschamp would be a, a close number two for sure. Um, but then I think that uh, Sam put it out there as well. Uh, Lance Anderson, who uh, is the Stanford mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, is a name that he's been hearing as well. And obviously Harbaugh has uh, the ties to Stanford. Uh, and so they've worked together. I think he, he was a name out there in 2015 when Harbaugh mm-hmm. came and then in 2016 after Durkin left too. So that was a name that I hadn't heard much, still really haven't heard much. 
Um, but Sam did put it out there and say that he was a great candidate. And so I, I think that Michigan does have good options, but um, you know, like you said, these all are very sought after guys. So mm-hmm. Michigan's not the only team with a defensive coordinator position open. Um, and yeah, I, I would, I could see Mason or Moschamp coming in for one or two years to get their, get back on their feet a little bit uh, and set themselves up for another head coaching position. Um, so, uh, but do, does Michigan really want that? Do they want a one or two year guy that is not going to have any continuity, uh, especially with the, you know, we don't really know what the heck Harbaugh is going to, uh, do for the next three years or, or where Michigan's going to be at with him. Justin, Um, honestly, man, like, I think, I think when you look at this, I don't know how, if you're Harbaugh, you take the best available coach as you can get because 2021 is going to be such a weird year for so many people. I mean, you know, again, this is my followers on Twitter and I've certainly jaded um, more, most of my followers or, or the people that follow me are jaded. Um, I often think like, I think there's an inherent bias in people that follow me on Twitter or that respond to my polls, because I do think that most of them um, either through, you know, I'm not trying to make myself sound like some, you know, big behemoth in media, but I mean like either from listening to my show or following me on Twitter, I've got come to the place like, okay, I mean, I'm going to agree with this guy because if I, you know, if I don't like, what's the point of following him? And I've been very negative anti Harbaugh since the end of the 2018 season. But when I posted this question, I mean, at, like it was like 70% of, I think it was more than 4,000 people, which is a pretty huge sample size said that they wanted Jim Harbaugh gone. So right. I think, you know, whatever you're going into 2021 and you've got a, a fan base that at the most say like my fans are jaded, say like my followers are jaded, but like, I read a lot of message boards. I'm on the 24 seven board. I'm on the Wolverine.com. I'm on Twitter over the place. Like, at most, you got 50% of the fans that support him. But I think it's probably closer to 40% that are still in supporting him. So you're going to go into next season. And depending on how, you know, like the vaccinations and herd immunity, all the stuff, like where people can come back to Michigan Stadium. But you're going to have a lot of people that probably still stay away, um, that are frustrated with this program. Um, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, in a, in, a, in a way, even if he gets a three-year or a five-year contract extension, is kind of on like a one-year deal, right? So if right. he only gets a defensive coordinator, if he only gets an offensive coordinator that has his eye on returning to head coaching in 2021, I think that's fine. Like he's got one year to get this thing figured out. And if he, cause if he doesn't like there's, I'm like, and I don't think there's an excuse right now, but there's no like, well, COVID well opt outs. Well, mm-hmm. the transfer portal. Well, we had a young quarterback. Well, all, like I am so tired. And that's one of the things that I can't stand about the hardball apologists and what I can't stand about this program is like every single year that they haven't won, there's been some excuse about why they haven't won. Oh, well, we had a bad quarterback situation. Oh, well, you know, we, um, we had a brand new transfer quarterback uh, that came in and he needed time. Well, well, we have a brand new offensive coordinator. Oh, well, there's a, there's a pandemic going on. Oh, well, we have, I mean, there's always like a perfect storm of like what's held Michigan down and yet everybody keeps on like, you know, you just got to give them this. You just got to give them that. You got to give them seven years because that's what it took Dabo Sweeney. Well, before that, it was uh, four years because that's what it took, uh, you know, um, uh, the coach at uh, Florida State, now at Texas A&M, um, Jimbo Fisher. It took him four years at Florida State. Oh, well, you need to give him five years because that's what it took Mark D'Antonio. Oh, now I need to give him seven years because that's what it took Dabo Sweeney. Hell, if, if Pat Fitzgerald would have won a, a Big Ten championship this year, then – he would have done Jim Harbaugh the biggest favor of all time 
because if he would have beaten Ohio State last weekend, people would have been able to say, like, hey, man, look, it took Pat Fitzgerald 12 years to win a Big Ten title. So it can happen if you just give him the, the right amount of time. Like, I was laughing thinking about the apologists that were going to come out of the woodwork and be like, just give him 12 years. See what can happen in 12 years and not recognize him that's a bigger anomaly than anything else. So, And, and that's – okay, I totally agree with it because it's fine if we want to say – Oh, give him seven years, give him five years, 10 years. That's fine if that was the plan going into it, right? Mm -hmm. But you didn't hire Jim Harbaugh to say, all right, we know that it's going to take a while and it's going to be a buildup for this program. And um, it's, it might take five to seven to 10 years till we're at the top. Uh, but that's, you know, that's okay. Cause we're, we think Jim is the guy. No, he was hired to win and win now. You know, and so every ever since uh, you know he got here, it has been uh, he was he was hired. He was that's why he was paid seven million dollars a year was to come in and make the uh, impact immediately for Michigan and turn him around. And, and he did. He he turned him around from terrible to pretty dang good. You know, for a while here, and and he's been probably the best. Uh, you know, he's up there with Lloyd Carr as as one of the best. Michigan coaches in terms of records, but he hasn't beaten Ohio State and he has not won the Big Ten championship, which is what he was he was hired to do. He was hired to be to take Michigan from, uh, you know, okay to uh, beating Ohio State or at least playing with them uh, and then winning championships. And he hasn't done that. And so for me, the whole coordinator situation and even with Don Brown now is, you know, they become the scapegoat, it almost seems like. Okay, it was Pep Hamilton's fault, and now it's Don Brown's fault, and it's all these other people's fault. Well, when does it become Harbaugh's fault? Because he's the leader of the program. He's the guy that hires those guys. He's, he can change things if he wants, and, and obviously a big part of being a good coach is putting good guys around you to build up your program, and it just seems like he's done that to an extent, but then – all these other uh, coordinators or different coaches or things like that, they seem to be uh, the problem, quote unquote, um, that people are pointing at. But when is it Jim Harbaugh's problem? I don't know. I don't know. the. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but because it's always, the, you know, people used to accuse me of moving the goalpost in, you know, like, oh, well, what do you want from him? Like, you keep on saying he's got to do this, he's got to do that. And, and I, I, I mean, I keep on thinking, like, they move the goalposts for him. But, you know, all, all I say is, like, let's go back to December 2014. And if you put it down on paper, your expectations for Jim Harbaugh, your goals for Jim Harbaugh, what did you put down? And most, I would say most everybody put a Big Ten championship. First of all, they put... Uh, you know, if you took it from like least to biggest accomplishment. So first you took like reestablishing the Michigan brand. Okay. Mm -hmm. He did that. Uh, then you put like reestablishing your dominance over Michigan state. Well, he looked like he was on his way, but then he lost like one of the worst games through Michigan state of all time this year. And so you can say it any which way, well, he should have had a win in 2015 or he should have had a win in 2017, but he doesn't. He's three and three against Michigan state. That ain't dominance dominance. That's 50, 50. Okay. Is it better than his predecessors? Yes. Is it what Michigan has been over its little brother for the entirety of this series? Absolutely not. And it's not anywhere close to what it was under Bo 
under Mo and under Lloyd Carr. So he's failed there. Okay. You brought him back and you said within five years, you expected him to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. And I would even say most people probably said it within four years, but I'll give him five. I'll give him five because that's a full recruiting class. Well, not only did he not accomplish either one of those things, he never got, never got to Indianapolis. He's gotten spanked by Ohio State the last couple of times. So he's nowhere close to that. They also expected within five years, I think most people would say, that to get to the college football playoffs. His closest that he came, 2016. Nothing since then has really come close. And did you expect him to go one and four in bowl games? People were like, oh, well, you know, what, what? so you're mad that he lost to Alabama and Florida State and Florida and all these top 10 programs? He was supposed to be a top 10 program. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be a – he was really supposed to be – if you look at the last, you know, whatever it is, six to eight years, you've got Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And then it's like that next group right after that is like Georgia – and, you know, LSU, um, which has won a national championship. And, like, everybody was kind of vying to be in, like, that next four. And Michigan was supposed to be in that next four under Jim Harbaugh. That's what it was supposed to be. So why are we constantly, like, then pushing it out? Like, well, he's the 13th winningest coach since he's gotten here. You know what? That's fine. He wasn't supposed to be number 13, okay? That's not what the deal was. That's not what the promise was. That's not what your expectations were. Okay, if anybody goes back to 2014, December 2014, and says, you know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting in six years that Jim Harbaugh is the 13th winningest coach, and he hasn't beaten Ohio State, and he hasn't won a Big Ten title, and he hasn't been in the college football playoff, and he hasn't reestablished dominance over against Michigan State. And oh, by the way, he gets punked every other year by Wisconsin and by Penn State. Um, and he, you know, needs triple overtime against Rutgers. Um, and, 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 and he hasn't had a quarterback yet. Like not a single person, a single person would have accepted that premise or been okay with it. And now here we are six years later and people are like, oh, well, you got to give him more time. You got to give him this. You got to give him that. No, I don't have to give him quarter at all. He has simply failed. He's been an utter abject failure as a Michigan football coach. There I said it, get used to it. It's hard to argue against you. I mean, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, we've talked about it before is, is that it's hard to uh, be okay with, or it, it's, it, it, everyone's nervous about what could happen next if you fire Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, do you go back to the Rich Rod Brady Hoke days? Do you do all that? But in terms of if you're just looking at what he's done, he hasn't managed to do nearly any of it. You know, I, I think the Michigan State thing, too, is just is unbelievable to me because he they should have won every one of those games that they lost. All three losses are they, they should have could have won. So it's in-game coaching that is the problem there or preparation or whatever you want to say. Um, it's not a lack of, uh, you know, of depth on the field or, or talent or anything like that. The games that they've lost has been because of the coaching staff for the most part. Um, you know, obviously you have to have uh, players, uh, you know, do everything and uh, make the, um, you know, make the plays and everything like that. But it has been on the coaching staff in pretty much every game. It's, you know, I think back to Wisconsin uh, in 2017, I believe that was. Um, and they, you know, were not prepared to show up. So it's just, it's all these things. And, and you're, you're right. It's, it, he, He's been a good coach. That's the thing is he is, you know, in 10, three, 10 win seasons, 
Uh, he's been a solid coach, and, and, but they just haven't gotten over the hump. But he came here to get Michigan over the hump, and he has not done that. So that's where I'm, I'm looking at, you know, what is a new D coordinator going to do at, at this point? Is it really the, the, going to be the difference that, that puts Michigan over the top? Even, if, you know, there are rumors that Josh Gaddis was going to be let go as well. And so is a new offensive coordinator going to be the difference? Is it, you know, it, it just seems like Michigan's stuck in this circle of trying to find what's the problem, but they, you know, we have one big problem and he's the head ball coach. And so um, that's where I struggle with the whole thing is just, you know, I don't, like you said, is it, is 2021 really going to be that much different than even 2019, 2018, 2016? Uh, you know, is it going to be that much different where they are, Michigan is in a position to, to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten title? I would put a lot of money on saying no. And if that's the case, then you might as well move on. So, and, and try and find the other, the next guy who can build them up and get them to a spot to get there. Well, and I just think, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, there's things that he's just, he just hasn't achieved. And for, and I was just thinking about the fact that like now he's, you know, cause everybody says he's just an Ohio state problem. Right. But like now he's two and three against Wisconsin in five meetings. Okay. Now he's three and three against Penn state in six meetings. And so many people love to, you know, anytime they like, it'll be an all off season narrative where James Franklin, he'll be ranked ahead of Jim Harbaugh and coaching things. And people immediately go, ah, well, that's, you know, bowl, whatever. Uh, he isn't anywhere close to, to Jim Harbaugh. Look at the records, look at them head to head and the whole thing. Well, now it's three to three and Penn state's won the last two games. And uh, James Franklin has a overall winning percentage of 68% at Penn state. And Jim Harbaugh has an overall winning percentage of 69% at Michigan. So, you know, yeah, it's going to be one of those off seasons, Justin, where we're going to have to listen to a lot of tropes, a lot of uh, mischaracterizations of, of what he's done and where this program's headed and all these different things. And I'm not, I'm not going to listen to any of it. And, and frankly, if you listen to this podcast and you probably followed us before, um, we're going to be the ones who are just going to bring it back to reality over and over again. Cause I'm not listening to the BS all, all off season about, uh, what Jim Harbaugh is going to accomplish. I am curious to see what he does with the coordinator positions. I am curious to see what he does with his staff. Um, but uh, make no mistake, I don't believe in Jim Harbaugh as the, as the future, as the guy who's going to get it done for Michigan in year seven like Dabo Sweeney. If I'm wrong, then I will tell Nate to, um, to – I'll shoot down a crow uh, and I'll have Nate put it on the menu at Wolverine, hopefully with a lot of barbecue sauce because it's going to be pretty gross. Um, but I'll be happy to eat it. But you know what? And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've been wrong. I have not been wrong about this guy the last three years. And, and that's because I see him for what he is and not for this dream mythical figure of what you guys all want him to be. What he is, is an average football coach. He's lost his uh, edge. He's lost whatever he was supposed to competitive um, fire, whatever he was supposed to bring to Michigan that was going to make Michigan better than anybody else. It's not there. It's really has never been there from the get-go. Okay. He misused Jabril Peppers from the get-go. He misused uh, Rashawn Gary, the number one player in the country. He screwed up his quarterback situation by uh, making it a, making it a competition in 2017. He was too loyal to Shea Patterson um, over and over again. There's, he's too loyal to Don Brown the last couple of years. They had the wrong game plan against Ohio state in 2018. He didn't have his team prepared against Notre Dame in 2018. He never has his team prepared on the road against a big opponent. Like it's over and over again. He keeps screwing up. Like he's just a, a big name coach 
with average results. That's who Jim Harbaugh is heading into 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> We've been really, really, you know, positive over the last uh, few months here. Uh, but, the, you know, it's hard. It's really been hard to find positives in this 2020 football season and in the coaching uh, situation and everything else. So thank God for Michigan basketball because they thank have uh, been giving us uh, giving us some hope here after what I talked about earlier with Michigan, Michigan State and the Lions and everybody else. And it's like, OK, we needed something here. So let's hope that Michigan basketball can keep it rolling. Let's hope that Michigan figure something out to give us something else to talk about at least. Um, and, and we can talk about whether it's Muschamp or Mason and, and how they'll come in and change things. But um, looking forward to that, hopefully in the new year. Um, and then we're looking forward to, to seeing Michigan basketball later this week, uh, going up against another big 10 opponent, probably one of their better opponents that they've uh, played this year at, at Maryland, even though they're not, um, you know, not in the top uh, few teams in the big 10. So, Looking forward to that. We will uh, have another podcast out this week uh, as we um, as we uh, get closer to that game and as we hear more on the, the coaching situation. And uh, and uh, also, like, uh, we can talk about some of the players leaving and, and opting out for the NFL. Um, yeah, and yeah, Chris Evans is gone. Yep. Christian Turner has left. Uh, has else? Ben, Mason ben Mason is Mason's. gone as well. Yeah, I mean, yep. you know, we'll, we'll get into that. There will certainly be more. But uh, looking forward to – uh, looking forward to, you know, we'll have some more Michigan, uh, as you said, some more Michigan basketball games to get, look forward to, but uh, some more Big Ten basketball games. And uh, there are bowl games next weekend, right? There's the yeah. college football semifinals. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, Will's going to join us. Will Heinergren's going to join us to talk some college football next weekend. Um, so excited about that. Uh, hope everybody has a great week. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Capnick Insurance Group, Frankenmuth Insurance, Wolverine State Brewing Company, Lewis Jewelers, where Justin Rowe and Jacqueline Crummy go to get engaged uh, and uh, Weber's hotel and restaurant, which has a great new year's Eve special. Check it out uh, at Weber's Arbor.com. All right. And you can follow us at stadium main pod on Twitter. I am at Justin Rowe 92 on Twitter and, and Mike is at Michael Spath. Uh, ITH on Twitter. So follow us there for some more probably bad takes and probably overreact overreactions on things, you know, um, all good Definitely. stuff there. Um, and we will see you guys all later this week. This is the Stadium and Main podcast presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.